We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. You can't control what's outside your home, but you can control what comes in. Because Clorox disinfecting wipes kill 99.9% of viruses and bacteria, including COVID-19 virus, when used as directed on hard, non-porous surfaces. So whether it's from dirty doorknobs, dirty shoes, or something else, outside germs won't stand a chance. When it counts, trust Clorox. Kill Pseudomonas, Salmonella, and Influenza virus type A2. Kill SARS-CoV-2 on hard, non-porous surfaces. Use as directed. Social awareness. That's to take a piss. Don't take a shit in the porta potties. All right. Welcome back to another edition of the Butting Heads Podcast on Ramstalk Radio. I'm C. Ribeiro, as always, here with Johnny Gomez. Johnny, you know, I got to eat crow here. I picked the Cowboys to win on Sunday, and I I could not be happier that I was wrong. Uh, a great victory, I guess, when this is coming out. It'll be Wednesday morning for us Rams fans. How you feeling, man? Uh, Well... Unlike Steve, I did predict that the Rams would win. So I'm feeling pretty ecstatic about that because uh, so far so good for my predictions. But there is still a long season ahead of us, so let's not get carried away. Yeah, it's uh, it was great to watch the team play in that beautiful stadium. I got, I guess let's start with this, man. How would you feel about the jerseys? I think I like them. I, uh, I don't really like that like random yellow line. 
on the shoulders. But other than that, I think they look really clean, and the helmets are as good as advertised, man. Those things look beautiful. You know, that that's kind of the interesting thing is uh, I was, you know, I, I wasn't a huge hater. Like, I know there was some people that just absolutely could not stand the jerseys. But I was kind of not hating on them, but I wasn't loving them either. But seeing them, you know, actually them wearing it, they kind of grew on me, man. The only the only thing I would say that I wasn't a huge fan of is I don't know if you noticed, but like on the um on the back of the jersey, you kind of see like a it, it looks like a very small tag with the LA logo on it. Yeah. Yeah, I wasn't a fan of that. But other than that, everything else, even the yellow line, I, I wasn't I, I didn't hate it. Not the end of the world. So, the yellow line. Nah, so yeah, literally my only critique there would be remove that awful tag just because that that LA symbol it, it still sucks. Yeah, dude, change change the logo to the Ram. Uh like the the LA I I think the jerseys were I wasn't totally sure about them at the time. They've grown on me a lot. I actually think I really like them now. The the alternate Ram head I like, the color scheme I love, but that LA logo is just straight up fucking trash. It's so lame. And it looks so dumb anytime I see it next to another logo. It looked dumb in the scoreboard bar. It looks dumb on the app when I see the things. It just looks dumb everywhere. I I, I hate it. And it kind of looks like a Chargers logo, man. It really does. It's just the worst. Uh, I, I'm not going to complain about it too much because I'm still going to root for the team. But, uh, man, that thing, I, I hate that thing. That's a terrible logo. Anyways, uh, I promise that will be really the only, well, maybe not the only negative part of the top, the podcast, but the most negative part. Let's talk positive things mainly. Uh, The Rams come into SoFi Stadium in front of a capacity crowd of cutouts, win a 20-17 game against the Dallas Cowboys, who, uh, and then the reason I picked the Rams to lose this game, just absolutely fucking thwarted us last year completely disassembled the Rams. Might have been the game where Wade Phillips lost his job. I mean, just an absolute disaster. But the Rams come out here and win this game. To me, it was a a pretty complete performance. There were some mistakes on both sides of the ball. Mostly a lot of things to like on both sides, but definitely some things uh, that we will critique throughout the show. But overall, uh, this was a good win against a team that should be good this year. Uh, based on what we saw in week one, would be shocked if they didn't win the NFC East. But, man, I, I feel real good. I think a lot of the questions about this team, for the most part, were answered in a positive way. And we'll talk through some of those. But, I mean, overall, I, I don't know how you're feeling. I mean, I, I feel great. I think uh, I'm not going to sit here and say we're going to go 14-2. and two, But for sure, after seeing that game, uh, as much of a reaction as I can make after week one, it feels like we will be – at the very worst, in the mix for the playoffs this year. Oh, no no question. I feel like this was about as positive as you could get because as as you were, uh, as we were both mentioning, really, there was a lot of uncertainties coming into this game. And um, just the fact that they came in and, you know, really handled the Cowboys 
really well, uh, especially considering that, you know, the Cowboys pretty much owned us last year. This year, the Cowboys struggled quite a bit. And um, while it wasn't a dominant performance by the Rams, you know, they didn't exactly, you know, kill them in, in this game. It was still something that they uh, they really did well in terms of, like, controlling the clock, you know, really controlling the game in, in its entirety. There was never really a point in this game where I felt like, you know what, the Cowboys could come and win it. It was close, don't get me wrong. Just it felt like the Rams were always in control, and that's something that I haven't seen in quite some time. Yeah, I, I am right there with you. Like, I mean – in in the fourth quarter when uh they were driving on that drive where they they didn't go didn't kick the field goal uh for whatever reason i was kind of sitting there like shit like this is a very close game and we could lose like it really felt like we we had a handle on the game for the whole game which for anyone who's been a long time rams fan you rarely feel like i rarely feel like that watching this team it's a lot of ptsd but i mean in a game that was close all the time it felt good to you know really feel like we were in control and really held the game down so let's go into some of the positional groups and I guess we mentioned the uncertainty uh we'll we'll start with the most uncertain group of the group on the team and then work our way up and what we saw inside linebackers was no we talked about how uh based on how the Rams handled this position in the offseason they shouldn't like it would be surprising if this position had a big role on the defense and that I I say that was partly true but not fully we Micah so Micah Kaiser uh the inside linebacker kind of by default played every snap so he was on the field every single defensive snap next to him Kenny Young got the most playing time at inside linebacker played 53 percent of the snaps I believe nobody else in the linebacking core at least inside really played any meaningful snaps so I mean I would say given that Kaiser played all the snaps, we ran a two linebacker sets about half the game, which was a lot more than I would have expected, given that they signed nobody. Uh, but I did start with, let's talk about Kaiser's performance. He, looking at his P- PFF grades, graded out fairly well in rush defense, graded out abysmally in coverage. Uh, not, not Jamil Demby abysmal, but not good at all. Uh, he... And I think that was about expected. I had no expectations for him in pass coverage. He was not good in pass coverage, you know, against guys like Zeke and pass catching running backs. If he's going to be the guy guarding them, we might struggle a little bit. In run defense, he missed a little too many tackles for my liking. Uh, Honestly, you know, there there were a couple that really left me scratching my head where, you know, he should have came up with the play and he didn't. But I would say overall, for a guy who really hasn't played, like, at all in his his short career, it could have been worse. My, My big concern is we really struggled with tackling in this game, and... Part of that is because we don't have tackling linebackers. Luke Keekley doesn't play for this team. Uh, Kaiser may grow into that role, and I think he did a lot of positives. There's also some negatives. I think what this game proved to me with linebackers is, you know, A, we have to play at least one of them, and given how much Kenny Young played, and, and 
he didn't do anything to really impress me, but uh, he wasn't horrible. I, you know, this is going to be a weak position all year, and we beat a team with one of the best running backs in the league uh, with Kaiser in there. So, you know, hopefully he can improve, but even if he doesn't really improve, I think we will survive if this is a weak point of our team all season. Some teams it'll be a huge concern, and other teams it won't really matter. But uh, we got we got by this game with a great defensive performance, despite you know I would say lackluster linebacker play. Yeah. So as far as the uh, as far as Kaiser is concerned, there were points where I was like, okay, Micah Kaiser, you know, wasn't perfect, but you know he looks pretty solid. And then there was points, as Steve mentioned, that the uh, the tackling situation just wasn't there, and it was it, 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 at that point you needed a linebacker that could take down a guy like Ezekiel Elliott. Now, to the Rams and Micah Kaiser's defense, you're not going to always see an Ezekiel Elliott type of guy. I mean, he's one of a kind, but. It is something to watch because there wasn't a whole lot of negatives in this game, but the tackling was something that really caught my eye and caught the eyes of many because that that was very noticeably bad. You know, it wasn't just Micah Kaiser. It was quite a few other guys, and that's kind of the negative aspect of running so many uh, defensive backs while there are some truly hard-hitting and great tackling uh, defensive backs on the Rams and in general, you you almost can't really compare the type of tackling skill that you can get from a linebacker. And, you know, this, this is about the time when we're missing Corey Littleton for that reason. But all in all, if that's really the only criticism – it wasn't bad, you know. Everything else uh, that I can think of really wasn't uh, wasn't too bad uh, defensively. Anyway, defensively, I I mean the the defensive front looked pretty sharp in terms of the defensive line. If we're going by defensive line standard, the tackling was spot on. If, if any defensive lineman got got a hold of Elliott or or Dak Prescott, they weren't getting past him, you know. And the emergence. Of, or the reemergence, I should say, of Aaron Donald. Uh, for those ESPN guys that uh, that are you know going by metrics, they they may want to get a new system because Aaron Donald just <laughs> fucked you over. You know that I I mean my God, I've never seen an offensive line so manhandled before. The dude took down three linemen at once. How did how is that humanly possible? Keep in mind, guys, off these offensive linemen are some of the biggest men in football. You know, they, they're they're not tiny guys. And he manhandled three guys at once and he, still got to Dak Prescott. He's unbelievable, man. He's you know, when we talked about in the offseason how like a couple a handful more great seasons from Donald and he's going to be in the conversation for the best D lineman ever. And like, it's becoming real. Like 
after this game, I have no doubts he's going to be first-team All-Pro again if he's healthy. Might pick up another defensive player of the year. Too early for that. But, uh, I mean, he's just he's unstoppable. He, he's just so good, and he elevates the rest of that defensive line because really, like, I think our pass, pass – Sorry, pass rush uh, was pretty decent in this game. And, I mean, we don't have any pass rushers that are, like, very good. Uh, It's Donald's presence that really lifts the rest of that defensive line and proves, like, you know, the rest of those guys, and they all, for the most part, play pretty good. Uh, And they're not scrubs, but, like, you know, Leonard Floyd is not uh, Robert Quinn coming off the outside, okay? And he played pretty well. Part of that is because he's gets he gets to be paired with this fucking monster in the middle, uh, in, incredibly grading out well from Pro Football Focus. I mean, he's basically broken their scoring at this point in his career. Leads it almost every year as at least top five. Uh, yeah, man, we're just when when we think like when we play Arizona this year and we're sitting there like, why the fuck do we have to play against DeAndre Hopkins twice a year? This is how. Three teams have felt for the last six years playing Aaron Donald twice a year. Like, thank God he's on our side. <laughs> That's a good point. And then on top of that, just to add to uh, us gushing over Aaron Donald, he just passed Kevin Green in the all-time sack list for the Rams. Uh, so Which Kevin is Green is, is a legendary Ram. So pretty good company there. Hall of, Kevin Green's a Hall of Famer. Like, Yep. Yeah, that's – he's, he's going to keep going, man. He's – uh, the, the guy is unbelievable. Thank God we drafted him. Uh, that – like, let's, let's need that – that's his best moment as GM by far was making that pick because it wasn't an obvious pick. We didn't need him, uh, but it didn't matter. It was, it was clearly the right pick. Uh, I, I mean, sticking to the, the, the front guy's – I don't think there's any really other takeaways from the interior linemen. Sebastian Joseph Day got the start, but him and Morgan Fox kind of split time there. Uh, Greg Gaines played a little bit, I think. Um, on the outside, though, Leonard Floyd, Samson Ibukam got the spot start. They played all right. Okoronkwo uh, played the next most for the reserves. He played all right. But, Johnny, I, I would be remiss if I didn't mention – the one snap from Ja'Kai Polite in this game. Like, he comes in for one – like, I, I was watching the game with, with uh, one of my friends who's a Jets fan, and I see Ja'Kai Polite uh, make that play. I was like, hey, there's your boy, Ja'Kai Polite. And he was like, yeah, man, talent was never the issue. I was like, I don't know. I'm kind of shocked he's on the field this late in the game. Lo and behold, I didn't realize it was the only play he played all game, and he got a pressure. Like, that's incredible. Like, you, you got to play him more next week, I feel like, right after that. One play, one pressure, crucial play. Uh, and if he didn't get held, he might have gotten the sack. I mean, good for him, man. Uh, I, I'm sure it's been a long year for him since getting cut by the Jets. And uh, it's cool that he got that moment. If talent was never the issue, why the hell did they cut him? <laughs> there, I'm sure there's... Like, a laundry list of reasons why he got cut. Same reasons he didn't go in the first round. I, I guess. But they're also the uh, Jets, so, I mean, Jets going to Jet. Fair enough. I mean, they they had a they had a hell of a weekend. <laughs> uh, so, 
you know, I, that that pretty much explains it all. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, I'm not saying start Ja'Kai Polite next week, but play him more than one snap. I'm, I'm, I want to see. I want to see what he's got. Uh, that got me very excited because, uh, you know, the guy is only his second year in the NFL. He was a first-round grade talent-wise by a lot of people. We could desperately use him on the outside. Uh, if he pans out, man, like, that'll be fucking huge. What a steal that is. Uh, yeah, we'll see. It's, it's obviously he's played one play. Like, <laughs> pump the brakes a little bit. But <laughs> you never know. It, it was a great play. Uh, some people just need opportunities. So the the last big takeaway on defense, and probably the biggest coming out of this game, is what we saw from the safeties. So everyone, literally, I would say literally everyone, had Taylor Rapp penciled in as the starting safety next to John Johnson. He started a lot of games last year. He played very well uh, for a rookie. Lo and behold, he plays 15 snaps. Everyone thinks he's injured. Sean McVay confirms he's not, and that Jordan Fuller, the sixth-round pick out of Ohio State, just straight up won the job in camp. He... I, I believe Taylor Rapp was injured at the start of camp, so he missed quite a bit. Uh, he's still getting back in the flow of things, but you know, based on what we saw, Jordan Fuller is not losing that job. Like no way, uh, and nothing anyone said after the game indicates that he would lose that job. So, um, I, I and, and I, I'll say this about Fuller: I was very impressed by by his performance, without a doubt. Uh, he obviously the biggest play of that game of the game was that fourth and three stop where the Cowboys kind of inexplicably didn't kick a field goal to tie the game, and he comes in they they throw a pass short of the the first down marker and he just makes a man's tackle and and did that that wound up being pretty much the game winning play, so very impressed by Jordan Fuller. I'll give Les Snead credit again. The guy just finds safeties out of thin air every year when we have either guys coming up in contract years, uh, you know, when we have guys leaving. So, you now if we lose John Johnson next year, this makes it a whole lot easier because th- that dude balled out. I mean, from the sounds of it, John Johnson, it might be harder to sign him, but we'll get to that probably a little bit later. Yep. The... Uh... <laughs> As far as Jordan Fuller goes, you know, based on what we were hearing out of camp, it, it sounded like Jordan Fuller was going to see a lot of playing time, but not to the extent of this. I mean, basically being the starter, uh, not even basically, he was the starter. So, I mean, I I, I imagine that you, you'll you see uh, Taylor Rapp basically taking uh, Kenny Young's role at some point just because – <laughs> what well, you can't really have a guy like Taylor Rapp on the uh, on the bench because he is too talented. I just think right now it's an adjustment for everyone because uh, again we didn't exactly have an off season, uh, a traditional one anyway. So it's still trying to find the right balance for this defense because uh, as as impressive as it was, I mean. Uh, keep in mind that the the Cowboy offense, it's it's a pretty strong offense. They have plenty of weapons, and only limiting them to 17 points, that's impressive. That's beyond impressive. So, yeah, I, 
I I think that each week we'll see a little bit changes here and there just to kind of perfect what it was because as much as I was impressed with the Rams as a whole, there's still a lot of work to be done. Yeah, it, and I think we will see a lot more rap next week going against the Eagles who with Dallas Goddard and Zach Ertz, you need coverage guys out there on those tight ends. Micah Kaiser and Kenny Young ain't going to cut in that regard. I think Rapp will play a lot uh, in a pass coverage role. And really the only, like, I would say the last drive for the Cowboys was really the only drive where you would expect them to be passing, like, most of the plays. And Rapp was out there, I believe, the whole drive. He he was out there. He made a play or two. Um, so I, I think his playing time will go up. He only played, like, 21% of snaps. I think he'll... You know, like you said, I think he will take that Kenny Young role in a lot of games uh, as he should because, you know, we we need versatile guys out there. Maybe Kenny Young could cut it, but we know Taylor Rapp is good. Uh, And, and yeah, he'll he'll probably be more or less relegated to the role we thought he would play last year before John Johnson got hurt. And and that's not the end of the world. If Jordan Fuller's great, uh, you know, we know John Johnson's good. That's fine. I, and to, to just shout out the rest of the secondary, Darius Williams took over the Nickel Roby Coleman role, uh, and I think did a great job. I think all three corners, uh, Troy Hill, Darius Williams, and Jalen Ramsey, I would say especially Jalen, uh, and even Darius Williams, not so I guess just not really Troy Hill. He was fine, but it uh, wasn't his best game. I think they all did a great job. Uh, Ram- Ramsey really did a great job out there, uh, looking like he's going to earn that contract. Let's let's go to the offensive side of the ball. We'll start with you no know, besides inside linebacker, the other uncertainty, offensive line. And I gotta say, Johnny, I feel a lot better about the O line after this game than I do about the linebackers. Uh, part of the reason why they look so good, I would say, was Jared Goff was getting the ball out very quick and good on him. He, he had a great game. Uh, the interception wasn't his fault, but I, I was really impressed with how he played. Seems like it's going to be a good bounce back year for him. Uh, we'll see in games where he has to throw deep a little more. He didn't really do it much this game, but uh, as far as the, the the front guys go, man, I was really impressed with everybody. And looking at their PFF grades, Noteboom had the best game from a tackle all week, 95 out of 100, so that's like an incredible score. Uh, Blythe, Corbett. Both graded out really well. Corby graded out as the sixth best guard. Blides as the third best center in the league. Uh, Rob Havenstein as the 13th tackle. Nope, boom, graded out mediocrely. Uh, had a really good pass blocking, or had a good pass blocking grade and a bad run blocking grade. Uh, but even him, man, I, I was pretty impressed by everybody. It, it didn't feel like there was a weak link on the line. And if Nope, boom is the weak link, that's fine as long as. Uh, the rest of the guys really hold up. You know, we ran a whole season with Jamon Brown as our starting guard, and he's not a bad player by any means, but he's, like, very much an average guard. And just the, when the rest of the line is playing well, and like they did in this game, uh, especially the three the three vets, I would say, Blythe, Blythe had a great game, Whitworth had a phenomenal game, uh, Havenstein, best game he's had in two years by far, not even close. Uh, I, I was really impressed. They 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 opened up holes for Malcolm Brown, who we'll get to in a little bit, had a great game. But 
Uh, we knew the season would live and die by this front five offensively, and we're off to a good start. You know, there's there's things the offense could have done better as a whole, but if the offensive line plays like this for the whole season and the offense struggles, it's not on them. Uh, this is exactly what we need from them. I, I thought they did a great job, uh, and I, I don't really have any complaints like at all with their performance. No, I mean, as far as the offensive line is concerned, the offensive line did exceptionally well. You know, this is probably the best the offensive line has looked since the Rams' Super Bowl run. And, um, you know, like you said, there wasn't a, you know, a, a time where, like, it, it felt like the Rams couldn't rely on them too much. And this is against a strong the Dallas defensive front, you know, they were without a few guys, uh, with, uh, Van Der Esch, uh, later on. Yeah. Or, or, you know, they didn't have his services and Sean Lee's never healthy. So there's that, but, um, overall they, they did exceptionally well against a, a really tough defensive front. So I, I got to give them kudos for that. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I can't complain about anything anything even uh note boom while they weren't perfect you know there were times out there where jerry goff had enough time to throw the ball downfield which it didn't seem like there was ever a time last year that jared goff had plenty of time you know there was like seriously there were times where goff was like huh i I can actually extend this play um and uh one play that comes to mind was when he threw the ball downfield to van jefferson I don't think I don't think you could really find a play like that last year. And that's the sad part. Yeah. Now, as far as Jared Goff is concerned, welcome fucking back because <laughs> there was no there was really no time where I felt Jared Goff played terrible. I thought most of the game he played exceptionally well and that one interception shouldn't have even counted. So as far as I'm concerned, he, he had one of the best games he's had in a while. I agree. He, I, and I will say this, like, I'm not ready to say that he's fully back because he, he didn't, we didn't really throw the ball deep at all uh, outside. Like, I, th- I feel like that Van Jefferson play was one of really the only shots we took. Um, and it, it, to give him credit, a, a phenomenal ball. And a great catch by by the rook. That's only a catch of the game, but you're gonna make it count. That was a great one. But he, I thought he looked really sharp on all the short throws. He was getting it out quickly, which quickly and confidently. Last year, he either got it out quickly or confidently, and like never both. And that was a thing he needed to work on. And it looks like he did. He he, he really was getting balls out quickly and well. Uh, he he looked really sharp. Uh, a lot, I, I thought he made a lot of a lot of great passes. Like you said, the interception. Uh, I thought it was gross at first, but when you see the replay, he basically got punched in the face as he was throwing. So, as far as Jared Goff interceptions go, not one of the worst ones. And hey, yeah, man, I, I I love what I saw. I we'll see if he can really fully return to like his peak from 2018. But this this is a great start, uh, a, an absolutely great start. I, I have no complaints in his performance either. Uh, very impressed. Uh, in in the backfield, 
Mal- uh, so Cam Akers got the start. Malcolm Brown clearly, though, was the lead in this backfield. He played 66% of the snaps, I, I, I think. I'm not 100% sure I didn't write this down. I think he played 66%, and Akers played about 33%, somewhere in that vein. Daryl Henderson played like 5%, uh, completely out of the mix, but I don't I don't really think. We, <laughs> we don't have unlimited time in this spot, so I don't really think we need to talk about Henderson. But Brown, man, he, he, looked, he played really well. And I, I think when Acres really settles in and finds a groove, he will take the job fully. Uh, I don't think they, because we've always known they had some confidence in Malcolm Brown. So if they didn't really have a lot of confidence in Acres, I don't think they would have drafted him just to draft him. But I, it's clearly Brown's backfield right now after this game, and it, as it should be, he played really well. Acres is going to take some time to really get adjusted to an NFL level. He didn't have a preseason. Uh, it's a lot different than playing against the ACC teams, but I I was really happy with how Brown played. I think it was better than any game he had last year. And I, the Brown, Malcolm Brown is not a guy that you're going to run 35 times for 200 yards like Derrick Henry. But what he was asked to do in this game, he did everything and then some. And I, it was a great performance. We'll see long term. I think it will be Acres backfield, but right now it's Browns, and that's totally fine with me. Yeah, as far as uh, Malcolm Brown is concerned, I felt like Malcolm Brown was one of the more underrated players coming into the 2020 season. It's like he was kind of forgotten about, which is easily done considering there was so much hype surrounding both Cam Akers and Daryl Henderson. But, you know, last year he was kind of banged up for most of the year, and the whole running back situation just went to hell. Um, so this year that was obviously one of the key differences and and you can reference back to last season against the Cowboys when the Rams played them and only ran the ball 11 times, right? Something like that. (laughs) If if that, they barely ran it. Uh, I'll pick up, I'll pull up the exact number while you're talking. Yeah. So when you have all that in mind, that was one of the reasons why the Rams won the game is because it was a much more balanced offense. And it was because they can give it to guys like Malcolm Brown reliably. And, and um, even cam Akers, even though it wasn't the most spectacular performance for cam Akers, um, I, I would say, give the guy a break because there were some guys saying that he wasn't impressive, that uh, it's going to be the Malcolm Brown show, blah, blah, blah. Keep in mind the matchup, guys. The Cowboys are a very good defensive team. And, you know, Cam Akers wasn't perfect at all. Um, But it was also his first game in the NFL on a primetime spot in a brand new fucking stadium in the most awkward game ever because there's no fans. So... When you pile that all on it, on a brand new team, this this, this is it, it makes sense for a rookie to struggle, you know, and, and you know give give credit to the Cowboys because the Cowboys do have a very very good defensive front. So um, as far as Cam Akers goes, there wasn't much really to go by because he didn't really excel. I mean, he had his moments here and there. 
But um, one noticeable thing I did notice is he was playing a little too high. Like, he seemed incredibly stiff. One of the things you'll want from your running backs is to uh, to play lower to the ground, which he obviously was not doing. So um, I'm sure that's something he's going to adjust as we go along. And I'm sure different defenses will garner more Cam Akers uh, playtime as well as Daryl Henderson, considering he's healthy, which it seemed like he was. So, you know, this week it only made sense for a guy like Malcolm Brown to get more touches. And you know what? He he played damn good. So if he, if he has the hot hand, like McVay has been saying all offseason, he was going to play him. Right, and and I think it says a lot about how they feel about Cam Akers that with how well Brown was playing, he's, Cam Akers still touched, had 14 carries. Uh, get, and get, like, if they didn't really believe in him, like, look, <laughs> let's be honest, they gave Daryl Henderson three carries for six yards. He came in, he wasn't running well, they took him out. He, he just stopped playing. With Cam Akers, he came in, he wasn't running very well, they, they kept letting him run. Uh, even with how Brown was playing. Uh, so, yeah, you got to know, like, they clearly believe in the guy. And, like, you mentioned he was running, like, stiff and high. Those are things that a running back is going to adjust to. You know, not every running back comes in and runs for 150 yards. You know, we don't always – we don't all have the benefit of playing in Andy Reid's system like Clyde Edwards-Alaire did. Uh, give Akers time. Way too early to tell what we have in him. But, uh, yeah, I, I imagine next week – we'll see similar splits from Brown and Akers because, you know, Brown is going to be the guy that wins you games at this point, but Akers are still a lot to like. And, uh, you know, they clearly they trust Brown, and as they should, he's earned the trust. I I don't think there's a ton to get into other than that in the offense. Uh, slow day for the tight ends. Not a ton of 12 personnel, but we'll we'll touch base on that next week. We'll see how that can just develop. We do got to give a shout-out to Josh Reynolds, though, man. Uh and, and the splits between him and Van Jefferson, Reynolds played 51% of the snaps. Jefferson played 45. So about even, they both only caught one pass each, and they're both great plays. And and Reynolds' play was huge. It was a tough catch on third and short. Uh, if he didn't catch it, we would have had a field goal, but he caught it and then got some nice little yak gain and set us up for Malcolm Brown to score a touchdown on the next play. So uh, Josh Reynolds' limited, limited plays – limited opportunities but he made the most of it so uh good for him uh, i'll miss him when he's gone from the team but he's always been fairly reliable well let's finish the season first Steve. <laughs> hey, and like jakai polite man the, the one hit wonder uh but he played 37 snaps he didn't play one snap <laughs> true that yeah uh i mean any other notes from the game sam sloman <laughs> break that kick pretty hard made the other two still say it's too early to tell on him but uh not the most inspiring performance uh taking greg's line spot though who also missed a kick so uh we'll, we'll see how these things yeah. go <laughs> about that too i, I had a i had a, I have a good buddy that's a dallas cowboy fan the minute that slowman missed that field goal he texted me saying do you miss Zerloin yet? And I, I didn't even want to respond because at the moment I did. And then only for Zerloin to miss his field goal. 
And I was like, not, not that much anymore. So <laughs> it's early, you know, there are going to be missed field goals. Um, and especially from a rookie, I, I think we should be patient, you know, and like, I, like Steve said, he made, you know, two other ones. So, you know, still early to tell. We'll see how, how that goes down. But what I'm really interested, Steve, I need to have your opinion. Was it a pass interference, offensive pass interference on Michael Gallup? Eh. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's I had of, to, man. I had. It's one of those plays where the 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 fan base that didn't get the call, like let's say they didn't call it, we'd be bitching, you know. It's uh, <laughs> it's it could go either way. It wasn't like a like it wasn't like the fucking Saints play, but. I mean, they called it. There was clearly a little shove. I wouldn't, like, if they didn't call it, let's say if they didn't call that pass interference, so I I guess here's how I really feel. If they didn't call that and you came on the pod and started to say, like, man, that's such bullshit, like, that call lost us the game, I'd be like, well, like, it wasn't really that, like, there, there was a little push, but, I mean, I get why they didn't call it, but they did, and, I mean, it could have gone either way to me. Uh, but, like, you know how I feel, Johnny, about complaining about the refs uh, after the Saints-NFC Championship game? And I know this didn't really affect us, but we, I believe we personally have lost our right to blame refs for losing games for a while after that play. <laughs> um, and, and I know a lot of people were pointing, like, to the Jared Goff play, saying, like, look at this call. I was like, you don't, you don't have to justify like missed calls. Like, I, I don't know. It, it is what it is. It's it. There was a little shove. If there wasn't, they wouldn't have called it. It wasn't that egregious. Maybe it shouldn't have been called, uh, but it wasn't, it was far from the worst call a ref has ever made in my opinion. Yeah, it was, it was kind of entertaining to me because when I first saw that, and I, actually, I think part of it is because the commentators in the game just kind of made a bigger deal out of it than it should have been, too. I, I, you know, I was just kind of confused because, like, like I said, like you said, it, it could have gone either way, and I can understand the Cowboy fans being a little upset. But they made it sound like it was as bad as, you know, the Saints call, which there was no way near that bad of a, well, that, I guess that was a non-call. Um, not not even in the same stratosphere. No. <laughs> no, not even. And it, it just, it kind of amused me because I, I got, I got several messages saying that was a bad call. And I was like, why is this such an issue? Like and I and I even had to go back and relook at the play because I, I'm trying to see if I'm missing something, and I'm like, it it, it wasn't it I don't know like for me it wasn't a bad call like it it wasn't the worst call it wasn't I I think the the ref like you said was screwed either way so like I I just I don't know I'm a little confused as to why it became an issue. Yeah, yeah, I mean, it, because because of the timing of the play, it's why it became an issue. If that happened in the second quarter, we nobody would be talking about it. Uh, when it happens that late in the game, I mean, I, I get why everyone's talking about it, but I don't know. It, there was a little shove there. 
a, a guy like Ramsey is going to get the superstar calls in a way. They're they're a lot less in football than other sports, but you know it happens. And uh, yeah, I, I don't. It's just not that big a deal to me. It, the Cowboys had plenty of chances to win this game. It, it wasn't like the Saints play where not only was it like an unbelievable no call, but if they called it, we the game more than likely would have been over at that point. So, like this, they they still had to make a field goal. Like you don't know what would happen, and also they shot themselves in the foot when they didn't kick the field goal on fourth and three. No, it wasn't fourth and one. I I feel like you have to kick it there. I just I don't know. I, to me, it's not really a big deal, like at all. It is what it is. If we we're on the if we we're on the other side, I truly think I wouldn't be saying it was a big deal. Not entirely sure why they didn't hand that off to Zeke at that point either. Uh, but that's another issue. I just don't know why you don't kick it, man. I, I You don't take points off the board, especially especially when that's going to tie the game. Like, anyway, I'm going to look up what point in the fourth quarter that was. I know it was late, but I, I feel like it wasn't like – like uh, there was oh, 11.46 left in the fourth quarter. Like, look, if you, if you kick the field goal and tie the game – you know the Rams aren't gonna milk the clock for the next. Like I don't know. I just I just don't get why why you don't why you don't hit the field goal. That was that was crazy to me. Yeah, I'm not entirely sure either. I would have personally kicked the field goal too. But if you're going for it on fourth down, why wouldn't you hand the ball off to Zeke, who was essentially the one responsible for driving down the field at that point? Why wouldn't you hand it to Zeke if if you have to go for it on fourth down? It, it really scared me in the second half when it felt like they realized that Zeke was going to get four yards every time he touched the ball at least, uh, and they just started feeding him. But it, it tailed off. They, I don't know. Not not the best debut for Mike McCarthy down there. Nope. Uh, <laughs> by the way, um, <laughs> this is a little off topic, but I, I have to say this. Uh, have you ever seen Scrooter McGruder? No, I have not. Uh, he's a he's a YouTuber. Oh 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 um, yeah! For some reason, I was thinking of like a TV show. I have seen that guy. He's great. Yeah, I'm not sure if I said his name correctly, but I highly encourage you to take to take a look at his reaction to to the game. It, it was it's hilarious, bro. <laughs> yeah, I'll uh, I will look that out. He did uh my favorite video of his was he did like a like NBA fans during free agency does. And the one he did when <laughs> Marcus Cousins signed with the Warriors was so fucking funny. Like, it was so, it was so good. Um, but yeah, I, I think we could wrap up the game from here. Uh, move on a little bit. Let's, let's talk about we quickly, I don't think we need to spend a ton of time on this, but the Rams, obviously, since our last pod, <laughs> like perfect timing, the last pod, we spent a bunch of time talking about how it would just be a disaster if they didn't extend Jalen Ramsey and he just walked after the year. But they extended him and Cooper Cup. Ramsey gets five years, $105 million in the extension. Uh, the most expensive cornerback in the league, uh, but and ever, because uh, pretty much every contract is ever now. Not to me, you know. You knew he was going to get a lot of money. I don't. It might be a little bit overpay, but not a like a gross overpay. And right after Cooper Cup gets three years, forty eight million dollars, so sixteen million a year. Not an overpay at all. Um, 
A, that feels about right for what Cooper Cup is going to make on the open market. And B, B, it's not long-term. So, like, I feel like the Brandon Cooks contract was, like, five years. Obviously, there's these things are never fully guaranteed. But, like, it's a lot more daunting for the same amount of money. Uh, I, I think that was a great deal. The Ramsey deal, it is what it is. We needed to make it. Uh, a lot of people are saying, like, where is this money coming from? And to be honest, man, I, I don't know. Uh, it, did you know? <laughs> you know, that that's kind of the funny thing is I, one thing I, I feel like Les Snead has always been great at is somehow making money shift around and, you know, making it so that the money is always available somehow. This is going to be a lot more complicated because when you – when you finally factor in the contract with Cooper Cup and Jalen Ramsey, you're basically scraping at the bottom of the barrel here and actually breaking through the barrel because you're in the red at that point. And keep in mind that the Rams still have to sign their draft picks. I mean, I guess in a way it's kind of a blessing not having a first-round pick next year mm -hmm. because they might not be able to afford them. But uh, still, you have to imagine that they're going to have at least five draft picks at when it's all said and done. I don't know how many picks they have now. We don't have to count. But uh, I imagine at some point, Les Need being who he is, he's going to add more draft picks somehow. I, I don't I don't know like how this is going to work, but it, it could come in a variety of ways, whether it be cutting some players or trading them away. Les Snead usually has a plan or else I, I don't think he would make this uh, these two contract signings. But it is a little bit concerning and something we have to watch out for, especially considering there are other free agents. Uh, and I will say that the majority of the free agents that are left are probably going to walk. Um, like, I don't know if the Rams would be able to sign – guys like John Johnson, you know, because he's going to command a hefty contract too. And I don't know if they could afford a franchise tag. So yeah, this is going to be one interesting off season. Yeah. It's, it's going to be tough because like, and it's going to be really interesting because we don't know what the cap is going to be because, you know, Every year we have a pretty good idea of where it's going because, like, the league revenue continues to go up. But this year there's no fans for most of these teams. So, like, we have no fucking idea what the cap's going to be next year. What Over the Cap is predicting it right now, uh, before, the Cooper Cups, before the Cooper Cup extension, we're in the red. Uh, but it does include the Jalen Rams extension. So we're in the red for next year. Um, but like I said, this is with an adjusted cap expecting the cap to shrink uh so like if the cap does either stay where it's at or go up we will i, I think like we'll be fine uh but the problem is like you said how are we gonna improve the roster how are we gonna pay some of the free agents like we're not gonna be able to ideally we <laughs> i in a perfect world the cap goes up a little we keep cooper cup and we are able to franchise tag John Johnson because I, I don't think I don't, they never give safeties a long-term deal so I, I can't imagine that happens but 
we'll, we'll see. We really don't know what the cap's going to look like. And the good news for us is a lot of our good players are under contract. So if we can make it work, like I'm looking at the cap sheet for next year, Goff, Donald, Ramsey, obviously, Higby's on the books, Woods is on the books, Whitworth's on the books, Leonard Floyd's on the books, Rob Havenside's on the books, uh, Michael Brockers is on the book, Ashawn Robinson's on the books, uh, Austin Corbett on a very cheap deal, still here, and then obviously the younger guys, Cam Akers, Taylor Rapp, Van Jefferson, uh, Joseph Noteboom, still on the books, uh, Brian Allen, if you want to go that route, Bobby Evans, David Edwards, uh, Okoronkwo, uh, and then all the guys who drafted this year, Micah, Micah, Micah Kaiser, unbelievably still in the books. So, yeah, they're, if if we have a great season, like, we're going to feel okay about the cap, assuming that, like, we don't have to cut anybody to make it work. And we let John Johnson walk. Hey, it is what it is. We got Jordan Fuller. We got Taylor Rapp. Um, but if the cap shrinks and we struggle – then we're going to be in a really interesting situation um, because, like, looking at these contracts, they're not easily digestible to cut. Like, the easiest ones to cut are Taylor Tyler Higby and Robert Woods. Um, but, like, we're probably not cutting Tyler Higby, and no fucking world are we cutting Robert Woods for the amount of money he's making. Uh, like, do everything but that to clear up gap space. Like, that would be just a disaster. So it's going to be – a, a, the the revenue is going to make it tough, man. I, I truly don't know where this is going to go. Uh, I, I, do you know like when the TV contract is coming up? That I'm not sure. So it, the rights are up for renewal in 2022. Um, like maybe they will keep the salary cap rising just because, you know, like you know that contract is going to be unbelievable and maybe the owners get together and like hey we'll keep it up um but we'll like what i can't remember the term but like smooth smooth the cap to where like they operate a little bit out of a loss next year so that they could keep these uh the, the the players getting paid and all that and then when the new tv money comes in they could just smooth the cap and keep the salary cap rising uh, so maybe one year the owners make back a little money, uh, but but we'll we'll see because the the league is not going to make as money as much money this year as they have in the past, and as a result, it should shrink the cap. But you never know because that that rights deal is coming up, and live sports are the most easily the most profitable commodity on cable right now, like really the only one I would say. So. Uh, they're going to make a shitload of money, so we'll see how it happens. But I'm happy they're still here. Happy we kept Ramsey. Happy we kept Cup. Yeah, same, man. Uh, I mean, we, we've we seen how valuable both players can be, so, you know, it only made sense to keep them around. Yep. Yeah, and for what – I mean, I know it's sunk cost a little bit on Ramsey for you gave up, but you got to keep him. So let's – Let's let's talk a little bit about the Eagles game. Uh, the little Philly Birds just gave the Washington football team their first ever victory, uh, and the probably the only season opening victory the Washington football team will ever have because they're probably gonna have a different name next year. Uh, it was a rough loss. They blew a big lead. Uh, their offensive line looked horrible. 
Now they were without Lane Johnson, uh, who will who will be back next week and is obviously a big part. But they still got sacked eight times by a young like. There's a lot of youth on that offensive line. They're not the most experienced group, or sorry, defensive line in Washington. Uh, on paper, that football team is not very good, and they beat the Eagles by ten points. Uh, we're going on the road to Philadelphia, but uh, like the only thing I feel like it's really going to matter is the fact that we play at ten in the morning West Coast time. Uh, I. Like I, I'm a little concerned about how we're gonna guard Goddard and Zach Ertz because we don't really like Taylor Rapp's gonna have to play a lot of this game and match up with those guys at least even though that's only one of them. Uh, I do not think Micah Kaiser could guard either of these guys. I think the Eagles will exploit the shit out of that matchup if they're smart. Uh, but at the same time, they got sacked eight times last week. Aaron Donald's coming to town, like. Carson Wentz has got to be able to get the ball to these guys, even if the, even if they're shredding our secondary. And I don't know if they're going to be able to do that. Uh, there are concerns about this game for me. I, I wouldn't say it's like like we're going to blow them out. There are some trap aspects. But how could you not feel confident going into this game, man? Much more confident than I was when we talked about it in the preseason. The uh, <laughs> First off, let, let, me, let me start off by saying, uh, rest in peace, Carson Wentz, because, uh, I mean, my God, I, I felt bad for Dak, Dak Prescott last week. And, uh, while the Cowboys offensive line wasn't exactly intact, I will say that they're much more talented than the Eagles offensive line, even with Lane Johnson. So yeah, um, Johnson or not. Aaron Donald is coming in to town and it's not going to be fun for Wentz. It's not. Uh, and for a guy that is, uh, is very sensitive. I, I think that, um, this is going to be an interesting matchup, especially because as you mentioned, the tight end situation will probably be exploited. And I have a feeling that, Brennan Staley will try and adjust as much as he possibly can to guard them. I, as you mentioned, I don't think there's going to be too much we can do about Ertz and Goddard. Uh, yeah, it, it'll be just basically doing damage control. But really, any other aspect of the game, uh, especially on the offensive side of the ball, I'm really not all that concerned. The ground game doesn't ter- terrify me. This is not – they don't have anyone remotely close to an Ezekiel Elliott type. They don't have really anyone truly scary in the wide receiver range. And if they even remotely try, uh, the Rams have a scary secondary unit. So this is not a very favorable matchup for the Eagles. Now, I don't want to get ahead of myself here because – this is still this is still a team that you don't want to underestimate. But the way I look at it is if they could at least make the tight end situation at least manageable, this is going to be a, a fairly easy football game for the Rams. But that's if they can do that. That's a tall order because these are very two uh, good tight ends. And I'd say... 
I'd say that they're arguably the best tight end duo in the NFL. Yeah, duo uh, for sure. Like, if you're talking yeah. about one and two, for sure they're the best. Yes. No, definitely not the best in the NFL in terms of individuals, but duo-wise, absolutely the best. So that's something to keep in mind. Tight end has been something that the Rams have struggled with historically, uh, at least, gosh, I can't even remember the last time they were good against tight ends. So especially this year with no really good inside linebacker, this is going to be interesting. Yeah. It's and like literally, I feel like as long as it, if as long as these guys don't each have 120 yards, like I think we're gonna be fine. Uh, they'll get theirs, but I think we we should be able to come it, able to overcome it. And especially if if Miles Sanders doesn't play, like the like Boston Scott and Corey Clement, don't worry me at all. Like not not one bit. Uh, Miles Sanders, I do think is pretty good. So if he plays. It'll be interesting, but at the same time, that line, even with Lane Johnson back, like the <laughs> taking out one offensive lineman should not allow you to give up eight sacks. You know, like they will for sure be a lot better with Lane Johnson. He's a uh, a phenomenal offensive lineman, but like you know, if Aaron Donald missed a game, the Rams shouldn't give up seventy points. You know what I mean? Like, I it's just it's that's. That's brutal. Uh, I yeah, I definitely feel good about this game. Uh, offensively, the tight ends are going to be the big thing to watch. I mean, even like <laughs> like defensively, uh, or 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 sorry, like for them on defense, like <laughs> the numbers of but the what the Washington offense are not good, and they won this game by ten points. So like. <laughs> Like Peyton Barber ran 17 times for 29 yards and two touchdowns. Uh, Antonio Gibson ran decently. Dwayne Haskins like had an okay game. Like was not setting the world on fire. He got sacked three times. Uh, <laughs> I don't know, man. It's what a what an L for the Eagles to start the year. Like Jesus Christ. Um, we we should take care of business this game fairly easily, but. Like you said, they got a lot of talent. They got a lot of experience. They're well coached. You never know what could happen. But based off what I saw last week, I'm going to go 30 to 17 Rams in this game. Yeah, I um, I I think uh, if I remember correctly, I also chose the Rams to win this game. Um, I don't remember what what the score I predicted. But uh, I'm pretty sure I'm going to predict a fairly larger victory in this game. Uh, I'm going to say 31 to 20 Rams. I I up my prediction by four points for the Rams <laughs> from what I predicted a couple weeks ago. It's, uh, yeah, I, I'm, I'm feeling good about it. We'll, we'll see with Buffalo because uh, that's a better team, but. I, I'd be a little surprised if we didn't start two and zero. It's uh, it's great to watch the team play. I just thank God we got football back, even if it's only for one week, which is not going to be. Uh, it was a great week. Definitely, always good to see your team coming up on top, and uh, especially over the Cowboys. It's like a such an enriching experience that it's over the Cowboys. 
<laughs> it felt great. I watched with my brother, who's a Cowboys fan, and I uh, got to see him suffer a little bit. Very much enjoyed it. Uh, and and after last year's fucking beating, it really felt great to get a win against Dallas. Uh, and it'll feel just as great to get a win against the Eagles because they, they, they've had some tough victories over us too in recent years. Uh, but, <laughs> yeah, it, it's just good good to have football back. Uh, I We will be off next week. I'm going to be on an extended vacation. Uh, probably won't be watching the game, so even if I find time to pod, uh, not going to be good pod. We'll be back probably late the week after to preview the – Jesus Christ, the season's going to go f- so fast. Uh, who do we play in week four? The Giants? Is it the Giants? Yep. Well, we'll be back probably to preview the Giants game uh, late late that week. Early October. Jesus, it's just a year. It's just slipping away, man. Uh, yeah, so that's that. And don't forget, follow us on Twitter, at TalkRams, at Johnny5Not6. Oh, I clicked the wrong intro. I got to play the right intro. And follow me on Twitter, at Barrel, and we'll talk to you guys soon. Sean Payton, keep talking that shit. We gonna see him soon. You feel me? Drama. Where else does history hang from the Raptors? Jalen Brown throws it down. Where else is your own city? Home to your biggest rival. The battle of the lane is real, people. And 30 feet is still in range. Hurry, action. Where else can a city this loud be this slept on? Where else is history? Still in the making. Oh, my goodness. Where else? The NBA, only here. Season begins December 22nd on ABC, ESPN, TNT, and NBA TV. You can't control what's outside your home, but you can control what comes in. Because Clorox disinfecting wipes kill 99.9% of viruses and bacteria, including COVID-19 virus, when used as directed on hard, non-porous surfaces. So whether it's from dirty doorknobs, dirty shoes, or something else, outside germs won't stand a chance. When it counts, trust Clorox. Kill Pseudomonas, Salmonella, and Influenza virus type A2. Kill SARS-CoV-2 on hard, non-porous surfaces. Use as directed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire.
No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.